You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Uh, you know, there's mornings where the Lord just kind of interrupts what we're doing. In first service, the Lord uh, really interrupted our time in, in a good way. And so part of my role is discerning whether that's just for that moment or if it's like a theme of the morning and uh, really felt like the just even as we were worshiping, there's just such a tenderness here. Can you feel it? The tenderness of the Lord, the sweetness of his presence, the nearness of who he is. And that's his grace. That's his his love that he, he lets us experience him in that way. And there are times when the Lord ministers to us in, with words or, or with the word or with song. And there's times where he ministers to us with his presence. And I feel like this morning he wants to minister to you with his presence. You know, when, when I was a, a boy, I, we lost my, I lost my mother to suicide. And after she died, I remember that we couldn't sleep. And unless my dad was sitting at the doorway, just every night, I remember I was about to fall asleep and I would check to see if he was still there. There was something about the closeness, the nearness of my father in those moments. I just needed to feel his nearness. And I feel like some some of us in this place right now, I just want to, he wants to minister to you with his nearness. So would you just close your eyes in this place and just receive it. The sweetness, the tenderness of his, his presence. There are times when it comes like a mighty rushing wind, like a fire, and there are times when it comes in tenderness and it breaks those calluses off the heart. just receive this morning. today. Know that Jesus loves you. He loves you. You know, Ephesians chapter 3, Paul prays this prayer, and it's a beautiful prayer. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ is for you. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. There's a knowledge that comes in our minds, and then there's a knowledge that comes through knowing. And he, that word know is the Greek, it, words, it means to intimately know, to intimately love like a husband loves a wife. That we would know his love. It goes beyond understanding. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. 
He loves you. The deepest truth you can know in this life is that Jesus loves you. And just like Scott was singing for 1 Peter, cast your cares upon him because he loves you. Jesus loves you. So now just receive his love. Just receive his love. Just receive his love. Just receive his love. loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. You who's feeling discouraged right now, Jesus loves you. You who've been doubting, Jesus loves you. You who've been trying to perform and strive for the Lord, he loves you. Jesus loves you. You who are mighty oak in his kingdom, you've served God faithfully for years, he loves you. He loves you. You are sacrificing the seasons or things in your dreams in your heart for your family right now. Jesus loves you. He loves you. He sees you. You are trapped in addiction. Jesus loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. You whose anger gets the best of you. Jesus loves you. He loves you. Jesus loves you. You whose marriage is falling apart. Jesus loves you. He loves you. He knows your name. He knows the thoughts and intents of your heart. He sees the worst of you. And he's the one that loves you the most. He loves you. Jesus loves you. He loves you. He loves you deeply. He loves you. Jesus loves you. Any child in this room right now, Jesus loves you. You are in your twilight years. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. You who have betrayed him and turned your back on him, he loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. He knows your name. He calls you his beloved. He loves you. Over and over and over and over and over again, Jesus loves you. Just receive his love. That's all you have to do. You don't have to do anything. You just, you know, there's nothing to prove here in this place right now. It's just, just receive his love. Just let him love you right now. Presence of God, come. Minister your love that surpasses our knowledge. he loves you, that he wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. I want to do something. You can all look at me for a moment. If the Lord has ever set you free of something, would you just put a hand up? If you ever in your life, part of your testimony is he set you free, would you put a hand up? Look around. You can see all these hands. Why? Why does Jesus set people free? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Did any of you earn it? Were any of you good enough? No. It's because he loves you. He loves you. You can put your hands down. If you've ever had healing in your body, if you've ever received healing, would you put a hand up? Yeah, all over. Look around. Why does Jesus heal? 
because He loves you, because He loves you. And He wants to right now. He wants to right now. I want you to be bold this morning. If you're here and you just be honest, this is a family affair right now. If you're here, You need, you need Jesus to set you free from something. This is like one of those moments of you picking up your mat, of standing up and walking when he tells you to. If you need to be set free from something this morning, would you put, just put your hand up? Yeah, thank you. You can put your hands down. The second, I want to ask this, is if you need healing in your body, if you need healing, would you put your hand up? Healing, I know there's, I know you, I know there's more of you. Do you know that well, there was a time where my little daughter prayed for a wart on my foot that I had for 15 years, and the next day that wart was gone. <laughs> that stupid little wart. Why did Jesus heal my wart? Because he loves me. This week we received new, news that Becky Sukup, who, who was only given a few weeks to live because of acute leukemia, this week she found out she's cancer-free. Amen. Why? Why? Because Jesus loves her. He loves her. If you put your hand up for either one of those, I want you just to come forward. Just come in, up in this place. Come on, be bold. I saw your hands, so I'll come and get you. Just come. Come up to this area. There's a humility in coming forth, picking up your mat. I'm not going to call you out or make you do anything weird. I'm not even going to lay, we're not even going to lay hands on you right now. I believe the Lord's presence is so thick in this place that he's just going to, we're going to pray and his presence is going to come upon you and many of you are going to get healed and set free in this place this morning. Do you believe that, church? Why? Because he loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you. And all you have to do is receive. So right now, in the name of Jesus, Every person in this room who needs to be set free, I pray they be set free right now in Jesus' name. Unhealthy thinking patterns, destructive behaviors, be set free right now in Jesus' name. Addictions right now, be set free in the name of Jesus. The mighty name of Jesus that is above every other name, the name of Jesus, be set free right now. Those struggling with mental anguish, sleepless nights, just be set free right now in the mighty name of Jesus set free in the name of Jesus. Depression, anxiety, healed and set free right now in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Somebody here has been diagnosed, well, not even diagnosed. The doctors don't even know what it is. They can't figure it out. It's causing a lot of um, frustration in you because you're experiencing all these things and the doctors don't know what's causing it. Right now, the Lord is healing you. He's healing you. He's healing you. He's setting you free right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Cancer right now, be healed. We curse you in the name of Jesus. Cancer, be gone. Arthritis, be gone in Jesus' name. Congenital heart disease, be gone right now. Be healed in the name of Jesus right now. MS, be healed right now in Jesus' mighty name. Backs, be healed. Discs, be restored in Jesus' name. Shoulders be healed. Knees be healed right now in Jesus' mighty name. Now just, let's, let's just let his presence, now just let his presence just come upon you. Holy Spirit, come. You're here. We just receive you now, Holy Spirit. Heal, touch and restore. Heal. 
Um, before we move on any further, I just want to take a moment. Um, there's a story in the Gospels about Jesus healing these lepers, and only one leper comes back to thank Jesus, and I, I want to be like him. So let's just take a moment and just thank him for showing up this morning, for um, revealing himself in a greater way. Lord, thank you today. Thank you for not leaving us as orphans, but sending your spirit. Thank you for your word says that you're no longer called us servants, but you call us friends. And so, Lord, we just thank you for coming, for um, setting people free in this place this morning, for healing bodies in this place, and for revealing your love in a greater measure today. May we walk in the fullness of your love. May we be established and rooted in your love so that we may have power to understand the knowledge, this love that surpasses knowledge in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to share with you briefly this morning how to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about um, being people of his presence, that his presence is what distinguishes us, his spirit is what distinguishes us from the world as followers of Jesus. And so <clears throat> one of the ways that we steward his presence in our life is, is the purity and sacrificial nature of our worship. So even these times together, which is one of the one of the ways in which we worship, there's such a, a purity that comes forth um, that God's presence will rest on us in a greater way. So I don't want to leave you hanging, though. I know for some of us, um, haven't walked with the Lord as long as others, so I, I, I want to just give you a very simple yet profound message. And if we'll truly get it, there's nothing that the Lord can't do with our lives. And it's, But I want to want us to understand how to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And that word fellowship is, is a word that's become watered down over the years. We think about just fellowship as just uh, maybe a bunch of guys just getting together and eating a bunch of meat at the church or just hanging out, fellowship. But the word fellowship is a, is a deep, deeply meaningful and spiritual, um, has spiritual connotation. It's a, a, a family-type relationship, fellowship. And in Acts chapter 2, it says that... Um, the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, and to fellowship, which meant this gathering together, this, this um, face-to-face relationship. One thing I think we've all come to realize coming out of the, the, the last year and a half is that how valuable this time together is, right? I told the first service that if anybody asked me to do a Zoom call from here on out, I, I don't want to be your friend anymore. I'm all done with Zoom. I'm just kidding. I'll still be your friend. But... There's, there's something missing when we're not together, right? The Lord designed it that way, and, and the Lord also designed that we have fellowship with him, this close um, family-type intimacy called fellowship. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 13, I'm going to kind of be in a few different passages this morning, so it'll be on the screen, but the very last words that Paul has, written words that we have for the, the church in Corinth is this, in verse 14, it says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. So we have the grace of of Lord Jesus Christ that comes because of the love of God, which leads to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Fellowship really comes down to nearness, proximity, being close to one another. You can have fellowship for a time over distance, but if you've ever been in a long-distance relationship, it's difficult. And that's not how we were designed to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, was never to be over distance. 
We can read about that in John 14, 15, 16 when Jesus starts to talk about it. We won't get into it this morning, but that abiding that comes play comes into play. This this it's a it's a nearness issue. I was asking myself this week, what is it about people who have walked faithfully with the Lord for years and years and years and years? It's that they've stayed close to Him. In the valley or on the mountain, in the difficulty, in the celebration, whatever it is, they stayed near him. They stayed under the shadow of his wing. They stay near to Jesus. He just wants your attention. And sometimes we place all these undue requirements on ourselves. I need to do all these things, or God wants all these things for me before he'll, he'll give me his, his, his spirit or his, his attention. We need to get rid of those requirements we place on ourselves. We need to throw off any shame of missed opportunities of the past. And we need to remove the idea that we know what God will do. Psalm 115 says that our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. <laughs> that is a terrifying thought. <laughs> Isn't it? As we follow Jesus, you learn to trust him, not knowing what he's going to do. But there is this beauty that comes in the childlike of tr- childlikeness of trusting God. That says, Lord, I'm going to trust you even though uh, it may get me in over my head a little bit. It might embarrass me. It might uh, humble me. (laughs) But trusting him, even though we don't know what he's going to do, what he's going to say. Do you know that God's not looking to be wowed by your wisdom? He's not impressed by the length of our prayers. He's not impressed by the depth of our knowledge of him. Any revelation that you have about him is from him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul talks about it's the spirit of God who reveals the deep things of God's heart. So it's only by his spirit that we know anything about him and that he's revealed to us in a greater measure. He wants nearness. He wants your heart. Clear of distractions, clear of mixture. I've, I've felt convicted lately that at some point times we do a disservice to people when they give their lives to the Lord and we don't ask them to count the cost. You know, there's a story in the Gospels of Jesus standing before a crowd of people and they were all called his disciples. And he starts talking metaphorically, but he says, whoever wants to follow me must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And everyone was going, what is he talking about? And everyone started leaving. They started walking out on him until it was just his few followers, his disciples. And he says, are you going to leave too? And Peter responds. He says, Lord, where where else would we go? You speak the words of life. Even in this immaturity, Peter understood what was needed, utter dependency on the Lord. There's a, there's a cost that comes to following him. It requires, it requires everything. When I got, gave my, uh, not when I gave my heart to the Lord, when I got married, um, I was stupid and I didn't know anything uh, because I was young. It wasn't my fault. I just didn't know anything, right? You can ask my wife. She'll be gracious, hopefully. But I didn't know anything. I thought when I got married that I would just keep doing all the same things that I did as a single person, but just now I would have a wife and that would be great. But I didn't know that that wasn't true at all. I actually could do that, but my life would be horrible, (laughs) right? But instead, my life had to have to shift radically, that now my attention, my heart 
A lot of my time and effort would be poured into this relationship that was more important than any other relationship in my life outside of Jesus. The Lord desires fellowship and all he wants in return is your heart, your life. So how do we give him, how do we have fellowship with him? Very quickly, three things. And then we're gonna close. The first is this, we're gonna, you just need to give him your attention. Give him your attention. In Colossians chapter three, verse one, it says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your mind, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. He says, set your hearts on the things above. Set your mind on the things above. That word, um, set your mind or set your hearts means to concentrate all of your attention. Your attention. What's capturing your heart? What's capturing your time? He wants your attention. Not to be focused on the earthly things, but on Christ. And then he reminds the church again. He says, but remember, for you died. You died. Later in chapter 3, he talks about the old self being put away, and now we put on the new self. That old person has gone, and the new has come that flesh, and we need that dying to the flesh daily that comes with fellowship of the Holy Spirit. When our attention is on him, that flesh begins to die because we, if we're being honest, we love, to, we love to perform for him. We like to check off our lists. The flesh loves those things. When all he wants is relationship, set your minds on the things above. Set your hearts on the things above. Give him your attention. That means throughout your day, you say, Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying right now when you're driving in your car? Say, Lord, I'm yours. Interrupt my life. Interrupt whatever you want to do. Give him your attention. Find yourself in those moments where you have by yourself, maybe in your break time at work, you can just worship him. Give him your attention. The second thing is this. Respond to him with love and with worship. So we first, we give him our attention, and then we respond to his presence with love and with worship, with adoration. There's this beautiful story in John chapter 20 of Mary Magdalene. Last week, we talked about Mary, of Mary and Martha fame, but this week, we're talking about Mary. There's a lot of Marys, and they all have a lot of great things, um, markers about their life to study. But this is Mary Magdalene, the one whom Jesus cast out seven demons. And in John chapter 20, Jesus had been crucified and Mary came to his tomb to care for his body, and the stone was already rolled away. We, won't, we don't have time to get into all of it this morning. But she's there weeping, and Jesus appears and says, Woman, why are you weeping? And she's crying. She says, Because they've taken my Lord. And then he, he just, it's so beautiful. All he does is say her name. He just says, Mary. Mary. I, I just, I love that. My Brother Drew was telling me about his son when he plays baseball. His oldest son, Bryce, is um, just an amazing baseball player. And he'll be out there pitching. And you could have all these different people yelling at him, yelling different things at him, good job, or giving him advice. And Drew says, if I say anything, he, hear, he can stop. He can hear it above all the other noise. You know your, he knows his father's voice. And I love that Mary, the Lord, spoke her name, and even through the grief, even through the, the devastation, 
It awoke in her heart because this was her response. Her response was this one word, Rabboni, which doesn't mean rabbi. It means Lord. She responds with love and with adoration and with worship. She says, Lord, and she runs to him. She runs to him, says, Lord, you are the one who have my heart. Lord. And it's this place of love and worship, that response that we have, that's what keeps our heart tender towards him. You have to fight for that, fight against the distractions and the callousness that comes. Remain, have your heart remain tender towards him. And the third is this. That worship team, you can come back. Sorry for the short break. The third is this, listen and obey. So we give him our attention. We respond to his presence with love and with worship. And then we listen and obey. So much of our prayer is, and it, it should be, is petitioning the Lord for something. And we should. We should ask the Lord. The Bible instructs us to do that. But we need to learn to listen. And I hear all the time, I've, people say, well, I, I've never heard God speak to me. And I ask the question, well, have you listened? Have you quieted the noise in your life and listened? And it's through that discipline of listening that we begin to discern his voice from the others, from our own. We hear this is when the Lord is speaking, but we have to listen. We have to quiet ourselves and listen. And then when we hear him speak, we need to be quick to obey. There is a power in immediate obedience. God is gracious with us, and he's patient with us when we don't immediately obey. But there's an even greater power in those moments. And I've realized in my own life, as I've responded with obedience quickly, that the Lord shows up in an even greater way. There's a story in Mark chapter 10 of this, this man who, he's not even given a name in the Gospels. It's just the rich young ruler. Wouldn't that be sad if it was your turn, time to shine in the Bible and that you're not even given a name, you're just rich, young ruler. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, what, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord lists off all the, some of the commandments and the rich, young ruler says, well, I've kept all of these since I was just a young boy. And then Jesus says this in verse 21. He's, it says, and Jesus looked at him and he loved him. I love that Jesus' response wasn't anger, wrath, or being irritated, but it says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. In the Greek, that word looked, it's like to gaze upon something or someone and just have this endearment rise up within your heart. It's not even like uh, they did anything to deserve it. You just love them. It's like sometimes when I look into my kids when they're sleeping at night, and you're just like, man, I love them. And I know some of you here, you're like, man, I love it when my kids are sleeping. It's so great. But... You just have those, or those moments where my wife, she's not, it's not like she's doing something to try to stir up this emotion in me. She's just being herself. And I look at her and I'm like, holy cow, man, I just love her. Man, I love, I just love her. She's what a gift she is. I love her. And Jesus looked at this young man and he loved him. And so this was his response. He says, one thing you lacked, young man. Go and sell everything you have to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at this, the young man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. The moral of the story is not wealth being evil. Wealth is not a virtue any more than poverty is a virtue. It was what was capturing this young, man, this young man's heart. This man, this young man, wealth was what captured his heart. 
And the Lord extended this invitation to him, follow me in the same way that he extended the invitation to Peter, to Andrew, to all of the disciples, come follow me. And I wonder what would have happened, what would the story have read had he said yes? Maybe then we would actually know his name. But instead it's just rich young ruler and that's the end of his story as far as we know. Because he wasn't willing. He wanted to hear, but not actually listen and obey. A number of years ago, my wife and I took a trip just to get away for a weekend. We went to this conference. And while we were at the conference, we were in worship, much like today, where it was just kind of like you get lost in it and kind of lose track of time. But I remember praying this prayer, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you require, Lord, take, you, you have my heart. I will do anything for you. I will, go any, I will go anywhere for you. I'll do anything. And I was praying that prayer and I was earnest about that. And in my, all of a sudden I began to see this picture form in my mind and it was me walking into our living room and taking our TV off of the wall and taking that TV and going and putting it out on the curb and I thought, well, that is a very strange. I'm asking, Lord, I, I'm asking, I'm telling you that I'll do anything for you. And I, I remember asking, Lord, am I, am I, are you telling me to get rid of my TV? That's really silly. I don't know if you know the prayer that I just prayed, Lord. I said, I would do anything for you. I would go anywhere. Aren't you impressed by that? Are you wanting me to get rid of my TV? That seems so silly. So I just chalked it up as like, I ate too much pizza the night before. And I definitely did not tell my wife about it because she is, she's, has this beauty about her where she's so obedient to the Lord. She's so obedient. So if she would have, yeah, we would have, it wouldn't have been a, a conversation. The next night, again, we're in worship and I say, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you require, Lord, you can have my heart. You can have it all. I'll do anything for you. I'll go anywhere for you. And again, that same picture came into my mind. And I was getting so annoyed. But this time, I saw that picture and I saw me taking that, that TV off the wall and, 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 and we went out and put it on the curb. And then I went and I, in my garage and I began to build these shelves. And where the TV was, I began to put these shelves up where the TV once stood. And again, I was like, Lord, are you serious? Like I told you, I'd do anything. I'd go anywhere for you. Are you wanting me to get rid of my TV? TV is not like a big thing. I don't spend countless hours doing it. I don't play, waste my time on video games or all that stuff. Like, are you really wanting me to get rid of my TV? I was like, Lord, this is really silly. It's not a big deal. And I remember the Lord spoke as clear as maybe ever. He said, Tony, if it's not a big deal, why are you making such a big deal out of it? And so it was like one of those Job moments where the Lord speaks and then you're like, I'll just shut my mouth now. I won't say anything. And again, I did not tell my wife uh, what was going on. The struggle, I was wrestling. But isn't it good that the Lord is gracious? He's so patient with us that there are some things that he wants to accomplish in our life no matter what. And I, it's better when we're a voluntary participant, <laughs> I have found. We were walking out of this conference and we ran into Jana Sachuk, who's been here a couple times and then she'll be back here again in the fall. She said, oh my goodness, Tony, Kayla, I didn't even know you guys were here, this is amazing. She's like, I was praying for you guys in worship and I have a word for you. I was like, here we go. 
This is what I was looking for, Lord. This is not this TV thing. This is what I want. And she began to, she said, Tony, I feel like the Lord was saying, he, he's asking you to make a decision and it's a seemingly small, inconsequential decision. But when you say yes to it, it's gonna be like you take a stake in the ground, like a flag in the ground, and you're slamming it into the ground, marking this is your land, your territory, and it's gonna be like shock waves go out from that place. And my heart starts racing. I'm like, oh no. And she looks at Kayla, she goes, does that mean anything? Kayla's like, I'm not sure. She looks at me, and my, like I said, my heart is pumping. She goes, does that mean anything to you? And I'm just gonna be honest with you, I lied. I said, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I went home just wrestling. You know when you, you're, you're disobedient to the Lord, you're just miserable. Your life is just miserable. It's better just to be obedient right away. It's just miserable. And over the next couple of days, the Lord began to just patiently, graciously show me. TV wasn't this evil thing in my life. And so I don't want you to walk away from this this morning thinking, Pastor Tony said TV's evil and we all need to get rid of our TVs. That's not the point of this story at all, okay? But the Lord was showing me that it was a distraction. That we would spend hours sometimes at, at night not even watching something we liked and wasting hours and that we're never going to get back. Or it was something that was just kind of on in the background. It was just noise. And the Lord was actually calling us into something greater. And, and there, he was going to prepare us for something. You know, God knows what's going to happen. He knows. And so he wants to prepare us. And the Lord was wanting to prepare us. And there are certain seasons that require certain things. So I finally, I went to Kayla. I was like, Kayla, this is what I've been wrestling with. And true to form, she said, yep, that's what we're doing. And so I was like, I, I knew you'd say that. So we went and we, I took the TV off the wall and we gave it to some, some college kids and went and bought some wood and went to my garage and began to build these shelves and I put those shelves up. And I don't want you to get the wrong idea. This was like the Sistine Chapel of shelves. These were like the most amazing shelves that you ever saw in your whole life. But there, I believe there are seasons that there, there's like a, a monument to certain things that God's done in your life and is doing in your life. And so I would go in, in the evenings and I would sit down on the couch and I'd, even out of habit, I'd go and grab the remote, but it wasn't there. And instead I'd look up and I'd see these shelves. And it was this continual reminder of the Lord saying, there's more, Tony. There's more. I'm calling you. There's more. Don't settle. Don't settle. There's more. There's more. You've been distracted. And then the season that you're coming into, need, you need to be focused. And I'm calling you into something more. Isn't he good? That there's always that invitation. Come, come on, come, come. There's more, there's more. Would you stand across this place? He's so good. He's so good. There's more. There's more for you. And some of us in this room were distracted. For some of us, there's a mixture in our heart. Some of us in this place, and I'm not being mean, but some of us have a love for other things instead of the Lord. Or we love Jesus and we love other things. What happens when you're married and you love someone else? What's it called? Adultery, right? I'm not picking on anyone. I'm not mad at anyone. But the Lord wants to purify us in a new way today and say, Lord, you are the one. You are the one. You are the only one. And everything else in my life, my life flows out of fellowship with Holy Spirit. 
So we need to give him our attention. We need to respond with love, with worship, with adoration, and we need to listen and obey. Would you, let's, let's pray. Lord, would you just remove the distractions? We thank you, God, that it's your mercy. It's your kindness that points out things that are not pleasing in our life. You're not digging in your finger. You're not trying to be mean. But Lord, there's more. There's more. What a slap in the face it is for you, to you when we're complacent. When we settle for table scraps, when we can sit at the table with you. We can sit at the table with you. And that even, we can sit at the table even when the whole world seems crashing down or the whole world seems, seems like it's against us. We still, you prepare a table for us. And we sit with you. We have fellowship with you, Jesus. And you feed us. You care for us. You love us. So Lord, right now, you have our attention. I give you my attention. Lord, right now, for my friends, myself as well, Lord, point to any distractions. I believe the hour in which we are walking at this time in history is going to require focus. It's going to require a singular eye, like you said in Matthew 6, a singular eye focused on you. That our lifestyle would be marked with your presence, with worship, with love. Keep our hearts tender towards you, Lord. And may we be a people attentive to your Holy Spirit, listening, and then quick to obey. With the things that you want to change in our own hearts and lives, to the, the ways of, of, of stepping out in faith, God, that you want to use us. This whole life, Lord, is just a response to this love, to your love being poured out. Our life is a response to it. So we respond with complete surrender, no mixture. One, word, one foot in and one foot out. Lord, all of us in Jesus' name. Every part of us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.